Hello, welcome to another episode of the Roseland Podcast. I'm Chloe, your host, and this week on the podcast, we've got an interview with Peter Evans all about National Coast Watch. Nice to get back to kind of volunteer organisations and clubs and groups after a few more kind of history history and information-based based episodes of late. And we've got another recipe from Tregany's Jenny Deal, this time for tabouleh. If this is the first episode you're listening to, you can find and listen to the whole podcast, all uh, 11 episodes, I think it is now, at rosenpodcast.com or via Apple Podcasts on Spotify or any other podcast app. At rosenpodcast.com, you'll also find links to any resources we mention in the show notes. If you go there, you'll see the big button next to each episode that says show notes. Click on that. You'll get all the info. Now we're allowed a little more exciting exercise under lockdown. It's a great thing to know that National Coast Watch are back up and running. Peter Evans joined me to explain more. Hello, Peter. Hello, Chloe. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm, I'm excited. Um, well, as I told you, you know, as we were chatting before I hit the record button, I'm very much landed Roseland rather than coastal Roseland. But but the coast does still it still intrigue me. And um, I've heard a lot about National Coast Watch and I've, I've seen the building, but I'm not really sure what you guys do. So can you can you tell us all a bit about National Coast Coast Watch, please? Yes, of course. Well, National Coast Watch, it, it's a charity and it was set up originally down at Bass Point on the uh, Lizard because all the Coast Guard stations, uh, which were manned around the country, had been closed for austerity reasons. And there had been some drownings on the Cornish coast, and some local people got together and started off with the one new lookout. There are now 56 lookouts, all the way from Fleetwood on the west coast, up north, right the way down through Devon, Cornwall, round the south coast, and up uh, to the coast of Yorkshire. And our little lookout, and it's probably one of the very, very smallest ones that National Coast Watch has, uh, is perched on a little headland near Porth Kernock Beach in the Roseland. And uh, the charity is there as part of the rescue services. Uh, we are connected to the Coast Guard, and we are their eyes and ears. Uh, we man the lookout, we keep an eye on the coast path, we keep an eye on kayakers, on paddle boarders, on sailing yachts that we can uh, identify. And uh, if we see anything that goes wrong, we spot where it is, we plot it on a chart, a chart and uh, we report it to the Coast Guard at Palmer. Gosh, it's everything from the coastal path as far as you can see out to sea. That's right. Um, from our little lookout, we can see about nine miles out to sea. Uh, we can see up to the Dodman Point. Um, so Nairhead and all around that area, around Pandawa, Khan Beaches is all very visible to us. Um, but at the same time, uh, with our telescope and our binoculars, we are keeping an eye on the coast path. If we see somebody waving because somebody's fallen and maybe broken their ankle, Again, we will tell Falmouth Coast Guard, and it then becomes their responsibility, whether it's something at sea, whether it's something on the coast path, to deploy whatever resources they see fit. Now, that might be an ambulance. It might be the cliff rescue team from Port 
Gaffo, headed by Andy Day. Uh, it might even be the Coast Guard helicopter based up at Newquay, or the lifeboat from Falmouth. So they've got all those resources, and uh, they decide what to deploy to make the rescue. Because from the name, I was assuming you only looked at the sea, but I suppose it would be quite churlish if you saw someone who's <laughs> broken their ankle not to tell anyone about it, wouldn't it? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, to completely ignore them, yes. So it, it must be um, quite a pleasant way to sp- pass an afternoon sat up in the in the building watching what's going on. It is. Uh, we're about to reopen again on the 20th of May. We've been closed because of coronavirus. Uh, but we uh, we will be opening again and operating two watches a day from 10 o'clock till 1 o'clock and then 1 o'clock till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, I've been doing this for ab- about five years uh, and took over as station manager last year. And I can honestly say that of all the hours I spent in there, no two days have been the same. It's either different sky, different boats, um, the sea might be calm one day, it might be rough another day. Uh, no two days are the same. Um, it's, uh, it's absolutely blissful. Yes, I can imagine. And, and, but, but there must be moments of, um, moments of high adrenaline, I suppose, amongst all the beauty. There are moments of high adrenaline. Uh, anybody who uh, joins National Coast Watch goes through a very thorough period of training. Uh, some of that is in classroom Uh, Some of that is actually out at the lookout. And then there is a very full assessment that needs to be done. And because we are what is called a singleton lookout, i.e. there's only one watchkeeper available, we all need to have, uh, have a radio certificate to enable us to use the radio to speak to Falmouth Coast Guard or sometimes to the lifeboat if that is being used. So... You're always looking out. You've always got your back of your mind that something might happen. And certainly the adrenaline kicks in if you see something. Yes. And um, and you mentioned that that you're reopening. um, Yes. I'm not quite sure exactly when this episode is going out. So you may be open by the time people are hearing this. um, Okay. Or maybe yet to come, which is quite exciting. Um, but, But are people able to do the training at the current state of COVID-19? or um, The actual physical training out of the lookout, no, unfortunately mm-hmm. not. Um, we have got a lot of online training uh, so that people will be able to see videos of modules to help them in their training. And then once coronavirus has passed, we will be able to accelerate the one-on-one training with the trainees mm-hmm. in order to bring them up to standard and allow them to do watches on their own. So be, so anyone who's, who's going, gosh, that sounds like, like a really good way to spend an afternoon or a morning um, on a regular basis. If they're, yeah. they're thinking about that, they can get started on the training process, even though they won't be able to be fully Absolutely. qualified yet. Yeah. Yeah. There, we would, uh, anybody who wants to get in touch can do so through our website. And I think, uh, I'll give you details of that uh, at the end to put uh, put with the notes. Yes. But uh, anybody, uh, you know, they have an initial chat with uh, one of our assessors and uh, and trainers, and we take the process from there. Um, it's all very simple. It's all very friendly. And uh, I know that people get a huge amount out of being able to, one, contribute 
to the charity and undertake the watches. But personally, they find it very satisfying being out at the lookout and being part of uh, the rescue effort, if you like. Yeah, and, and how much time does someone need to be able to commit? Is it, you know, you've got to do three shifts a week or <laughs> or is it more simple? No, the, the minimum we ask in a normal year, and normally we would be open from March through to November and operating three watches a day. The minimum we ask people to do is two watches a month. Gosh, that's quite light load then. It is light load. Um, obviously, that is the minimum. You know, if people are able to commit to, say, one watch a week, and obviously people will go away on holiday, so mm-hmm. they won't be able to, uh, to do watches. But if they're able to commit to one watch a week, then we find that with the number of watch keepers we have, which is about 35, um, that we can uh, cover all the watch slots and uh, maintain uh, seven days a week um, uh, coverage. So that's really good. But uh, it's not too onerous. It could be as little or as much as you like. We've got some people who like to do two or three watches a week. I suppose it depends on, on your stage of life and, and how much time you've exactly. got available, doesn't it? Exactly. You know, a lot of us uh, are retired, so have a lot of uh, freer time. Uh, other people are still working and maybe they'll fill the watches at weekends. Oh, excellent. And and uh, any any particular watches, you know, that you've been on that particularly stick in the mind? Um, there was one... Um, it was either, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, where I was uh, looking out uh, at a yacht that was appeared to be en route from Falmouth to Foy, um, and there was a huge amount of smoke coming from the bow. Gosh. Um, and I rang Falmouth Coast Guard to report this, um, and in fact the yacht had already called Falmouth themselves, and sure enough, uh, this yacht was on fire. It was a paint store in the bow. Mm. was particularly worried because he was on his own. Yeah. Um, he was also worried because he had gas canisters uh, on board the yacht. Oh, gosh. Um, anyhow, uh, he slowed down. They sent both lifeboats, the all-weather lifeboat and the inshore lifeboat. Uh, the inshore lifeboat uh came up behind the yacht very very quickly mm-hmm. and they scooped the skipper of the yacht off the yacht yeah um then once the yacht had because he'd taken his sails down slowed down uh the all-weather lifeboat assessed the situation put somebody on sh- uh, aboard uh with a line and they undertook a very long tow back to Falmouth. So uh, the lifeboat going very slowly, but with a very long line mm-hmm. behind in case anything happened. Yeah. Uh, they were met by the fire brigade off Falmouth who were able to extinguish the fire. Gosh. So that, that almost turned into a full-on, um, you know, uh, action-adventure movie, didn't it? It, it could have been. <laughs> Could have been. Yeah. Could have been. I've also seen extraordinary sight of two paddle boarders go out from Port Kernock. Mm-hmm. Paddle boarders um, tend not to be wearing life jackets. They tend to go out in a t-shirt or just a, a swimming costume. And there were t- 
two that went out and they were about, I'd say about 150, 200 meters offshore. And one of them had a baby on one of the paddle boards and they handed the baby over to the other person on the other paddle board. Wow. And my hand was hovering over the telephone as they did it. That's, I mean, I've, I've done some paddle boarding and that is hard enough to keep yourself upright without moving I, weights around. I know, I quite agree. I quite agree. Oh, heart in the mouth time there. Yeah, it was. It was. But uh, it all ended well. It all ended well. Yes, so long as everyone makes it back to shore, that's the main exactly. thing, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, Peter, thanks so much for coming on, and hopefully we'll we'll drum up a few few new recruits for you who can start their training. Uh, yes, that would be wonderful. We're always uh, looking for new watchkeepers, and uh, we're a very friendly team, um, and it's uh, a very interesting way to spend a few hours out at the lookout. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you very much, Chloe. Lovely. If you'd like to know more about National Coast Watch or get involved, then just go to the National Coast Watch Port Scatho website. Uh, it's a bit of a complicated one to read out, so if you head to rosenpodcast.com and click on the show notes link for episode 11, this one, uh, you will find a link to that. I suspect if you Google it, you'll find it as well. And if anybody wants a chat or, or more information, then Peter's phone number is also on those show notes pages, so you can give him a call and chat it through. This week on the recipe side of things, we've got a super simple but very tasty recipe. This is maybe one to try with the kids. I don't know, does this count as homeschooling? Maybe. Um, here's Jenny Deal from Tregony to explain all. This is a, a good one for, um, hopefully, the nice weather we're going to continue to have. If you can get hold of bulgar wheat, that is the best to use. But if you can get couscous, that's all right. And it's brilliant. It's easier than rice because you don't have to boil it. You pour um, boiling water over it. So if you've whatever amount of bulgur wheat or couscous you're using, you put it in a bowl and you cover it with about an inch of water above the level of the top. That will be about the right amount and a teaspoonful of salt to give it a bit of taste. So leave it to stand for 15 to 20 minutes and you'll magically see the water all absorbed then you can fluff it up a bit with a fork and mix together 50 mils of olive oil and 50 mils of lemon juice pour this over the soaked couscous or bulgur wheat if you've got mint and parsley in your garden not so much the better and chop as much as you like and put it in with a clove of crushed garlic leave it for several hours or overnight if you can and then the next day add some chopped tomatoes and diced cucumber and that's nice as a side salad for something, you know, barbecued meat or whatever. We think the recipe section has been working quite well. So if you've got a recipe for food or drinks that you would like us to share on the show, please do get in touch with us. That's rosalindpodcast at gmail.com. You are welcome to record it and send it in as MP3 or to book a recording slot with me where you can read them out or you can just send, send us in the words and we will read it out for you. The one thing which is really important is that there's no copyright on it. So you can't take something from a Jamie Oliver book um, or a Gordon Ramsay book and read that out. It has to be, has to be a recipe that's yours. Um, okay. 
as well as being on the lookout for recipes, we are always on the lookout for more people to interview. We record everything in advance. We can edit lot. It's really not scary. Um, I think pretty much, I think think every guest thus far has quite enjoyed the experience, or at least that's what they told me. Um, but maybe that's just what they told me. Um, but if you would like to come on the show, talk about your group, your hobbies, your job, any tips you've got for co- coping with lockdown, maybe gardening tips, history tips, farming tips. I know anything really, anything vaguely Rosen related. We are interested. How to go about doing that is to drop us an email to rosenpodcast at gmail.com with what you'd like to chat with us about and any particular questions you've got. Then it'll probably be Lindsay who gets back in contact with you and she'll take you through the process of getting a recording slot booked with me and then we'll just make it happen. Simple as that. Well, whether you want to be, be on the show or whether you're just really happy just to listen, I hope the podcast is helping you feel a little less alone, a little bit more connected to our wonderful community. And if you want to make sure you hear the rest of the shows, then do bookmark rosenpodcast.com and look out for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your usual podcast app where you can subscribe so you never miss an episode. Be kind and stay safe.